High School Football on Round Guy Radio was brought to you by Iowa Tire of Fairfield, Iowa. Mike's Auto Sales of Muscatine, Kyoto Transmission and Repair, Flint Cliffs Manufacturing of Burlington, Iowa, Wester Drug of Wilton and Muscatine, Jen Fagan, your neighbor's insurance agent, Home Plate Sports Cards of Oskaloosa, Henshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa, B&B Propane, Richardson's Tech Solutions, and Farmers Co-op of Envision Ag of Kyoto, and the Packwood Locker of Packwood, Iowa, soon to be Griner Meats and Groceries of Richland, Iowa. Well, the Scotty Melvin Playoff Report is brought to you by the Packwood Locker of Packwood, Iowa, soon to be Griner Meats and Groceries of Richland, Iowa. They're sponsoring the entire playoffs. Welcome to the program, Scotty. Hey, good morning, Dave. Well, uh, let's talk a little about... Uh, uh, we're going to talk about the playoffs, but there was a score from last week, from the last season, when the scoreboard show was done. We didn't have that score to report, and it was Highland. Uh, it's like a thirty-six to nothing win or something uh, over Wapolo to finish the season uh, on a two-game win streak. Uh, um, you know they were sponsored by uh, Vision Ag and uh, uh, Farmers Co-op there of Kyoto uh, this year. And at the beginning of the year, you looked over their roster a little bit, and you said that they were going to be improved this year. And it turns out you were right. Uh, I think they finished fifth in, in the district out of eight. Uh, um, what's the good news there on the Highland Huskies? Well, they're, they're a small numbers team. Um, you know, that you can see that easily by checking over their roster, of course, which a lot of Class A teams are. But, yeah, early early on or preseason, I thought this would be a year where they, they weren't going to challenge, you know, the top tier, but they were going to challenge maybe the middle tier. And all season long, it didn't look that way. You get down to those last two games, you got a, a, what is a winnable game for, for them against Eliza Muscatine. And you could say that for Eliza Muscatine as well when they went head-to-head. Um, and it was a close game. Highland pulled it out. Good for them. They were the team that was not going to finish winless. But I didn't see that uh, – beating that they put on Wapolo coming. I don't know about you. Well, uh, no, uh, our listeners didn't too. That was a, a, a kind of a shock to everybody. But I think it goes to show sometimes once you win a game, it changes everything. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't only wonder if you can win. Now you know you can win. And then, uh, um, so yeah, they must put something. Anyway, I thought we should mention that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and before we move on, as I was on my way to Columbus uh, last week prior to the games, uh, I always turn on KCII when I'm on the road and listen to their little uh, pregame show where the guys go over all the area matchups and they make their predictions and whatnot. And they had a, a, uh, a segment where they interviewed Highland Husky Sage Hartley Norman, who largely been quarterback, I believe, last year and this year. They made a little tweak to the offense where they brought in a freshman. I can't remember his name. Uh, but he's quarterbacking. Sage moved over to like a tailback spot. Kind of remind you of the the little switcheroo that uh, Winfield Mount Union pulled as they brought Jake Edwards into the fold as the quarterback this year and got Cole Milks doing what he does athletically all over the place. That's what Sage is doing for uh, Highland now. Now, when you listen to that interview, you can hear the intelligence in, in this kid and the excitement in his voice that things seem to be moving in the right direction for that program. And, and it had me excited for them. Now I still didn't think that they were going to get one up on Wapolo that night, but they did. And uh, it made me feel real good for him because listening to that interview, uh, that's a good, a good heady young man. Uh, another great representative of, of the kids down here in Southeast Iowa that we have and, and uh, congrats to him and the team. 
two wins on the season, that is moving in the right direction. Well, that's the Round Guy Radio salute for the Highland Huskies. Well, let's get into uh, the playoffs. And you were uh, you were at uh, Winfield Mount Union's game. Yes, I was. I'm locked into eight player, much like I have been the last two years for the playoffs, because quite simply, uh, I don't have a lot of free time. And, and if I'm going to spend it on a Friday night at a playoff game, I want to see the teams that I think are largely got the best chance uh, to make a dome run. Winfield Mount Union tops that list for me with Waco a close second. So I had, I had the Waco game streaming on my phone. So we keep an eye on that. And then I was, you know, physically at the Winfield Mount Union game. And I'll tell you what, buddy, I know how you love scrappy little teams. Well, Bell Plain, they are the definition of a scrappy little team. The only thing I could think of was these guys are gamey. Um, their roster, 15 kids on it and only 12 dressed last night. I mean, when, when you walked in the stadium there and you – uh, give it kind of the quick eye test of let's compare what's going on on this end with warmups versus this end. And you got all the, you know, for once Winfield Mount Union's got a full squad. There was a lot of kids down there. And then you look at Bell Plain and there's just kind of a handful of kids. And I thought, I don't, I don't even know how they're going to match up here, even if they have a couple of good looking athletes, which they do. Um, but they, they made Winfield Mount Union work for it in the first quarter, but Winfield, Mount Union did score a couple of touchdowns, got up 16 nothing. I'm feeling pretty good. Well, things start clicking in the second quarter offensively for Bell Plain, and they put a drive together, buddy, and you would have loved it because of the execution. They had, they had some mistakes last night, like any high school team. Uh, some were forced by some great athletic plays from, from those stars from Winfield, Mount Union. But um, they also, when they had it clicking, the Plainsmen were executing their few plays, which I would call – run out of the shotgun, but there, there's some stuff that reminded me of some Minneapolis-type sets and some stuff that reminded me of single wing, and they just they executed everything flawlessly, made gains, put a drive together, and cut that lead to 16-8 to eight early in the second quarter. Unfortunately, um, if, if, if you start making a run at the Wolves, it's, it's give the ball to Cam Buffington time, and he responded immediately first play from scrimmage on the next on the next offensive set for the Wolves and scored a touchdown and, and kind of put things back out of reach a little bit. And it snowballed from there. Winfield Mountain Union put up 32 in the second quarter alone. So they were, uh, you know, headed to victory by halftime there, 48 to eight, the overall uh, final score being 64 to eight and just a, a ton of Wolves contributing last night, man. It was, it was a sight to see. And they still, in my opinion, have the look of a team that has a strong, uh, bid towards a state title, and uh, they just seem to get better every week. Well, if you listen to the uh, 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 Beat the Round guy that we do with Andy Kretzinger, and, and uh, uh, we heard from a lot of people that that was an exceptionally good uh, uh, episode, and uh, uh, my hat's off to Andy Kretzinger. You you got any uh, uh, good words for Andy? Well, heck yeah. I, you know, I... I one regret I've got this uh, high school season. I think I've run into, well, we got together at the scrimmage and I got to chat with Jeff Mills a bit there, but sometimes you get to run into the other guys. You know, I, I'll run into Hunter or Andy at the games and get to speak to them real quick. A little harder at football games because they're down on the track. I'm up in the stands, but I might see them in the concession stand line or something at halftime. And I have not seen any of these guys all year long, man. It's just been me uh, flying solo, but those guys do, um, and we kind of understand it from what we're doing, how hard it is 
to get around to all of these schools and, and get the coverage that, uh, that the kids deserve and the, and the player, you know, the, uh, the programs deserve. And Andy does a great job. He's very knowledgeable. Um, yeah. Hats off to the guys from Southeast Iowa union. I enjoy, uh, reading their articles uh, the day after and all that stuff. They, they're doing a wonderful job. Well, uh, in that episode, I described Bell playing as scrappy little lunchbox uh, 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 guys that are, are, are tough kids. And uh, um, I think that's what you've seen there. We've seen their baseball team, their basketball team, you know, they're tough, they're physical. Uh, uh, they got some talent over there and they'll, 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 they'll give you everything they got. And uh, you can say they got a lot. Uh, I'm sure their, their program's on the way up, but uh, uh, they just got overmatched in this game. They were they were overpowered, and I, I do want to uh, mention a couple names from Bell Plain that, that stood out last night. Uh, one kid that really passed, you know how I love the eye test. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't have to see the kid play. I just you know see how does he how does he move in warmups? What's his size? You know, there's there's been several that stand out that uh, you're kind of like, wow, that's a high school kid. Jack Stamp, a senior offensive lineman, defensive end, he could play for Winfield, Mount Union, or Waco. Okay, he's on that level. Uh, of an athlete, especially that defensive end spot, he remind you of a of an Abram Edwards, or you know, and I he one on one he took Cam Buffington down a few times, six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds, and uh, played every bit the part. Um, now I will say where I see Bell Plain lined up, and this goes for any of you out there, kids, if you're listening to this, the the big separation between those guys and a Winfield Mount Union is. When I talk eye test, I can tell the boys that have spent a lot of hours grinding away in the weight room and the ones that haven't. Bell Plain is not there yet. If they want to take the next step, those boys have got to get in the weight room. Um, but, uh, you know, they had some really, really good athletes out of that, you know, batch of 12 that they had suited up last night. Jack's being the one that stood out the most to me. But Adam Tim, quarterback number nine, uh, he's only a sophomore. And he's athletic, and, and he did a good job. He, uh, you know, made some mistakes, interceptions, things like that, um, under duress, of course. <laughs> I mean, Abram Edwards was putting the pressure on last night. He really stood out for, for Winfield Mount Union on the uh, defensive side of things. But but that young man, Adam Tim, is uh, maybe the future of this Plainsman program there for the next couple of years, and, and he really stood out. There's a, a young man uh, – Number 55, Will Sancock, only a sophomore. They got him listed at 5'6". Dave, I will, I will eat my shorts if that kid's a, a, an inch over 5'4". I mean, he, <laughs> this was a micro Cole Hildebrand. <laughs> he was center on offense. He uh, played some middle linebacker on defense, and this kid was a holy terror out there. And, <laughs> I love it. I mean, Oh yeah, he he was just uh, uh, all over the place, and I and my daughter and I we we just got a kick out of him. I mean, this kid was uh he was something to watch. So there's there's some pieces in place. They're going to lose a, a, you know a couple seniors or whatever too. But if they can get some more numbers out, like we've said all year for some of these other teams that are on the cusp, you know the Plainsman will be a player in in, uh, in the eight player side of things. So I I got hats off to him. I saw Coach McCarty take some what I consider some extra time talking to those boys in the post-game handshake, I think he was probably impressed. I think the Wolves players would say, hey, those guys, you know, they gave us all all they had. And uh, so, yeah, the, the final score was a big blowout, and there was the typical Wolves uh, highlights that you expect every time you, you see those kids out on a Friday night. But, but Bell Plain, man, uh, you would have loved watching them. They are uh, – 
a scrappy bunch, and I'm, I'm glad they got to, you know, play a, a ninth game because that's what it's all about. Well, they, they got, they, they got you know, you can't hang your head low when you go to the playoffs. Outstanding season uh, for them. They must have shown some improvement, and I'm going to give them a Jim Zobble. A Jim Zobble. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, let's talk uh, 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 about some of the Round Guy Radio Poll uh, uh, games. Uh, and we're going to start out here with uh, Columbus and Marquette Valley or, or Maquoketa Valley. Um, our listeners were heavy, heavy, uh, 87.5% on Columbus's side. But um, I don't know that they're really looking at how good this Marquette uh, Maquoketa Valley team is, particularly this running back that um, Jeff Mills was just, you know, in awe of last night. Uh, uh, and they they just uh, uh, come out here with a victory, and this is probably you know every play every round of the playoffs there's a heartbreak, and uh, uh, Columbus is the heartbreaker soul shaker tonight in in this game. Yeah, um, this one I said it this morning to Ashley. I'm like it bugged me. You know, I'm at my age, you wake up a couple times throughout the night just naturally during your sleep. Every time I woke up, I was thinking about the Columbus Wildcats last night because I I had a feeling this is a game that could go the way that it did. Um, not not the score that shocks me a little bit, but just the fact that this was uh you know we had talked about the Lisbon North Lynn matchup being a nightmare for Lisbon. Well, this is a nightmare matchup for Columbus right out of the gate. Maquoketa Valley, their record you know is deceptive. Um, were they seven and two on the year, which is obviously a very good record, but some of the teams they beat along the way were uh, really raised my eyebrows because I had thought of them as kind of a one-man show, uh, show with uh, McShane there. But apparently they've got a lot more than him. But, you, you know, he's a lot, just like Caden Amagon's a lot for the Columbus Wildcats. Well, I brought a recap. There's no stats or anything, so I've got nothing to go on. Uh, I'm just sad to see the, the Wildcats' uh, season come to an end so so quickly. Well, uh, I guess Caden Amagon broke off three big ones for a touchdown. So he scored three touchdowns, put up some big points on the board. We are really going to miss that kid. And uh, um, yeah. I'm going to go ahead, and, and if it's all right with you, we're going to give him the uh, a Class A uh, Player of the of the Year, uh, unless you uh, think there's someone else we should be considering. Well, if we get together and do kind of an award show, but I'm going to go ahead and do some spoiler alert for you there. We, we've already named Cam Buffington the, the Round Guy Radio. That's um, for the, yeah, but I'm saying Class A. I know, but I, you don't cut me off because I've got more to say here. Okay. He He's obviously the, the, the class of the bunch, all classes. Well, what I was thinking about was who would I call my offensive MVP? We're just focusing solely on offense. And it'd have to be Caden Amagon, um, and it, and not just for the, what he's done this year, but through his career. This kid has culminated into, uh, you know, just a spectacular career as a running back. Uh, one of the best in the history of Southeast Iowa, certainly for his school, uh, certainly for Class A, as you mentioned. And then uh, on the defensive side, and, and I've got kind of some co-defensive MVPs that I'd like to throw out there, one being Russell Coyle. And I haven't talked a ton about him this year because I was kind of waiting for this point of the season, and I was hoping we'd have more weeks to talk about these guys. But the thing about Russ is we, we see his crazy numbers from the defensive line spot. And this year they moved him around. He was interior some of the time. He was on the defensive end side of things because he's so dang fast. And, and I'll tell you what, what will make your eyes pop is there was a play – when I was at the game against Pekin where Will Adam got loose and Will is fast 
and he was chucking down the sidelines and uh, the near sideline of where I was sitting. And he got slowed down a little bit because some linebackers caught him over there, but he was still moving. And you know who finished him off and cleaned up the play? It was Russell Coyle. Come from the defensive line 20 yards away downfield to clean up a, a, a tackle uh, on an athletic, speedy quarterback. I mean, if that doesn't just wrap up everything you could say about uh, a kid like him being <laughs> such a phenomenal defensive lineman, I don't know what else did, but I was just like, wow, I could not believe that he came all the way from that that hog molly mess at the line of scrimmage to make a, a, a solo tackle on a, on a, you know, speedy quarterback 20 yards downfield. And anyway, so Russ is up there as well as Teak Smith from Fort Madison. Um, the fact that he even got to get back and play this year is just incredible. And, and they missed him on offense, but they got him, they got him healthy enough to play defense. Uh, so those are my guys for, for the entire season here in 2023. Caden Amagon on offense, Russell Coyle and Teague Smith on defense. Man, those are uh, those are some pretty uh, pretty big names in Southeast Iowa for football. Well, uh, I like the Cobra. Uh, Teague Smith is pretty hard to argue with. There's some good ones. Uh, uh, there's a lot of really really good ones uh, defensively, but uh, I will concur with your uh, pick of those two gentlemen as uh, outstanding players uh, well, defensively, I- uh, un- unquestionably. If you could pick some on your end, if there's anybody you wanted, we could do another show here. Well, we'll, we'll get together and do some stuff. There's there's a, yeah. a, a kid that, that plays for uh, a Meepo that comes to mind. There's some SK guys that kind of in that in that bracket. But, I mean, I think we could – I mean, those two guys are in different classes, so there's no – in A, nobody's name comes quicker to mind than the Cobra, for sure. Uh and Caden, yeah. I'm already gone. Amagon, uh, man, he just, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, those two gentlemen, uh, and I feel like today'd be a great day because I know they're hurting over there in Columbus, and maybe we can send a little love their way through that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I don't think they probably expected to to be done this year already. I know I didn't expect it, but you know, when you get like you're always saying, Dave, when you get to the playoffs, you're only playing the best now. Uh, Anything can happen. Uh, heck, even even in Winfield Mount Union last night, I I saw some things that kind of you know made me made me say, "Wow, this is this is a different level." You know, even though it, it, the score went the way we figured it would, it, it took a little while to get cranking there. Okay. Well, uh, here's another game I want to talk about. Uh, Linville Sully hosted Pekin. Uh, uh, our listeners were seventy two percent on uh, uh, Linville Sully, which. It's kind of a um, a smaller spread in a lot of these playoff games here, but uh, uh, I thought Pekin acquitted themselves very nicely in this game, albeit in a twenty-eight to six loss. Uh, that game could have got way uh, out of control on Pekin, but it didn't. Uh, you got any thoughts on this game? It, you know, quite honestly, without knowing a ton about Linville Sully, as far as seeing seeing what they're doing this year, um, of course they haven't changed anything, and they got quarter now and harder back. I expect them to make a, a strong run in the postseason, although I have this this gut feeling that they're going to get stuck in a crappy pod. I don't know why I think that. We're going to find out in a couple hours. But, um, yeah, Pekin, the way they finish out the year, I, I just think that game that I was at against Columbus was not real a real representation of what a quality team they are. I think the game against Lisbon probably showed us a more realistic uh, representation 
And so this is the kind of game I expected them. I expected them to make Linville Sully work for this. And that's the way it looks without having seen any film on it. The final score, kind of about what I thought it would be. I don't know about you, but um, I, I thought Pekin would have an uphill climb, but they would show they belonged, and I believe that's what happened. I, I, I agree. Pekin showed they belonged in the playoffs in this game. Uh, and they had an outstanding season, and maybe they can take they, – they, they're, um, they're not losing that many players. I know Declan uh, is, is a senior. There's three or four, and they were good players, but I think uh, – uh, you know, with downtown Robert Brown coming back and, and uh, uh, with uh, a Swin to win uh, Dahlstrom and and, uh, and Will the Thrill Adams there uh, uh, coming back, I think a, a pretty good pretty good team coming back. Yeah, I agree. They, they've got the right pieces. Uh, so they're in a position to me like uh, so many others that are trying to build a program back uh, up to a power level uh they've they've got the athletes in place the, the the superior athletes in place now it's just a matter of a numbers game of having that supporting cast enough guys to to lift those fellows up next year that you know they could very well challenge for district title uh next season i don't know what lisbon's got coming back columbus has got a lot coming back but they're gonna lose you know russell and and uh caden and those are those are some pretty big uh shoes to fill well uh sk uh, played West Central Valley. It was a 93.9% uh, uh, in favor of SK. Um, you know, uh, what happened was we they kicked off, uh, SK kicks off to West Central Valley. Um, it was, they kind of stuffed them inside like maybe the 10 or something. Uh, and then uh, uh, Morse just slacks a devastating hit on the first play from scrimmage. Takes the ball away from from uh, uh, West Central. Uh, I think they score in the next play. Up the middle, they score. Then they get it. Uh, they get the ball back. They go around the outside for a big run and score. The next play, they're over the top to uh, 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 Cole, Killer Cole Kindred. Uh, he the guy's got great hands, great speed, um, and he's and the timing is so great between him and Sawyer Stout. They scored a touchdown and. and I, I realized that that game was over and I just started watching some of these other games that were a lot closer, but uh, that's how it goes. When you, when, if you turn that ball over and they score on you and then they bring it back and score on you, um, it gets away from you real quick, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, when you're um, really kind of the superior team overall, and then you start sprinkling in some big special teams plays, things can snowball quick on that underdog. And that's the way that game looked. I was kind of following it along on, on Twitter, thanks to Clint Dye, who does some fabulous uh, photography work for SK Games. And uh, that that's how it appeared to to go as I was following it on Twitter, um, that it just – it was – kind of a three phase, all three phases clicking for, for SK and they've overwhelmed teams all season long. It seems like that way. Uh, when you got all three phases working for you, you're a tough team to beat. And that's why I kind of had kicked around in my head doing like a, uh, uh, a playoff power five. In other words, teams that I think the only criteria here is these teams have the best shot at making a dome run or a championship run and, and sk definitely in the top three for me on that i will yeah, say they, they just look so dang strong and they're just playing so well and and we'll see what what kind of pod they get but um uh, uh it looks like you know there's two out of three that they would host all the way through to the, the last game which would be great 
three home games, uh, uh, I think that would be big. Here's a game I just want to mention, and I believe the score was uh, Iowa Valley 77, BGM 76. Uh, I don't know anything more than the score. Jeff Mills was the one that come up with that. It didn't come up on any of the lists that I saw, but wow, what a game, huh? Yeah, um, I haven't either. Uh, that was one that I, I just didn't see come up on any of the score tickers last night. Of course, it was late, and I didn't, I didn't pour through them too, too uh, detailed-like. But if that's, if that's correct, um, good for our Iowa Valley Tigers. Uh, it was kind of the game that you guys, when you talked uh, leading up to the games Friday night on the podcast, that kind of expected it to go just like that. You know, and I, I kind of like the Lone Tree game. I expected that one to go that way, and of course they, uh, they 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 lost by more than a couple scores or a couple scores, I guess. But uh, the, those were some high flying offenses, a lot of fun to watch. But the problem is, those teams have got to pack a lunch on defense if they want to hang with the Waco's and the Winfield Mountain Unions of the world. So, uh, you know, going to have to find some defense, guys. Well, that segues uh, really well into the next game that I was going to ask you about, and that is the Moravia at Lone Tree. Now, I saw some of these uh, pick shows, and a lot of people were picking Lone Tree, and Lone Tree was the high seed at over. But our listeners were high on Moravia uh, at 66.7. Now, I saw a lot of this game, uh, and it was a close game, and Lone Tree fought like heck in this game. And you can see what Lone Tree – Lone Tree's kind of doing uh, – uh, 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 doing, Lone Tree's doing a lot of cool stuff there, man. I mean uh, – uh, uh, I like they're they're a little bit remind you kind of of a Waco. It's like you see what they're they're trying to play like that, you know. I mean, they maybe don't have quite as many great athletes, but that's the that's the kind of thing they're kind of trying to do over there. And and it was a nice little battle between them and Moravia. You know, Moravia's offense won won out overall, and that Shane Helmick, everybody knows, I don't know how many friggin' yards and touchdowns that kid's thrown for in his career. Uh, but what do you got to say about that game? Uh, I don't, I don't know much about either team. Uh, to me, they're both, um, really quarterback based, you know, their success is going to depend on like for Moravia, how helmet goes. And, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but Lone Tree's got, uh, one of those athletes as well. And they're the best athletes on their team respectively, I believe. And, and so, and that, you see that a lot, Nate, man. uh, the kid that can throw and run the best, he's, he's going back a quarterback and we're just going to do what we can do with them and, and ride them as far as we can. I said these teams were looking like looking at a mirror at each other as far as how similar they were. And I don't know if that's the case, you know, on their, how they run their offenses and whatnot, but just the fact that they, they seem to rely really heavily on their quarterback for success on that side of the ball. Um, and I, it seems like that's probably the way it went. Um, I thought Lone Tree might have that edge being at home. But uh, I think Moravia's got a little bit more experience with success recently, so that, that gives them an edge, and, and I think that's probably what won out and made the difference last night. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, one of your favorite teams on earth, the Waco Warriors. Uh, they played Baxter. Uh, it was an 86.2% uh, uh, Waco side, and it turned out to be about, that's about what the score turned out to be uh, percentage-wise. But – Baxter looked good. Baxter's one of them high-flying teams, like what we just want, you know, uh, uh, like Moravia. You know, they, they they do a lot on offense, and they got out there and scored uh, uh, on the first uh, series. 
and uh, I think it was like fourteen to thirteen or something for a little for 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 quite a bit. Now Waco does what they do, and they overpower you, and eventually they wear you down and 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 push right through you. But uh, what were your thoughts on this? Well, it, it was a lot. Remind me of that. And Coach Edeker told you the same thing. Um, he felt like this would be kind of similar to playing Montezuma last year, you know, in that quarterfinal game where Montezuma looked like they were going to move the ball at will, watched our first series or two. But once Waco kind of uh, caught on to the game speed of the team, you know, that they're facing and all that stuff, all of a sudden uh, that team that looked real sharp on offense looks like they're slogging in the mud, you know. And uh, I heard Hunter Hughes had a couple of interceptions. Chase Waterhouse had an interception off a tip pass. I don't know how many turnovers there ended up being, but it, it reminded me of every Waco team I've watched play these last three years where they'll, they'll give up some yards, especially early on in the game, and you may get a drive or two on them later on. Um, but, you know, this is a, a really high-scoring Baxter team uh, to hold them down to 20, and they were stuck on 14 for a good long time. Well, and this uh, is a team that's, you know, eclipsed 70 points uh, routinely, and I think averaged around 40 or more. Um so, yeah, just typical night out for Waco. Uh, like I said, you got to pack a lunch on defense. And, and Waco's offense without Reichenbach, more by committee this year, maybe not quite as high-powered, but it's still pretty high-powered. So you're, you're going to have to hold them down, too, to have a chance. Well, uh, I did want to mention this BGM uh, uh, was a 65.5% favor uh, in that game. Uh, uh, and I do want to mention that uh, uh, in that Moravia game, uh, there was a pass in the end zone uh, that was kind of like a Hail Mary kind of deal. Uh, and, and the offensive player and the defensive player tipped it up and and Moravia caught it uh, on the rebound for a touchdown. That was another cool play that I wanted to mention. Well, since you brought up uh, Iowa Valley BGM, not all the stats are in on bound, but BGM's quarterback, Bo Burns, only a sophomore. Check out these numbers. He was uh, 24 of 45 passes, 45 passes he threw, 444 yards, seven touchdowns through the air. He rushed for another 265 yards and three touchdowns. So Burns accounted for 10 touchdowns, all 10. <laughs> and what what is this? Like between his throwing and rushing, uh, like 800 yards? What the heck? <laughs> I mean, that's a... I feel bad that the kid lost, and they had a receiver that caught nine balls for 203 yards and three touchdowns. What a game that must have been to watch. That must have been something. Somehow, someway, we'll try to get somebody to talk to us about that game. Yeah, yeah, that that's an eight-player game for the ages right there. Well, Central Decatur uh, uh, played Earlham, traveled to Earlham, uh, but the road uh, uh, did not scare our voters uh, as 70.4% of them picked Central Decatur in this game. And, uh, uh, you know, when I saw this score, I thought, wow, this is going to be the score of the night until I heard about the, the, the 77-76 game. Uh, but it was a 14-13 win for Central Decatur. They grind out a win on the road in the first round of the playoffs. And another one of Round Guy Radio uh, uh, family team uh, uh, gets another win. Well, I can't remember uh, Central Decatur's coach's name, but when you talk Peterson. to him. What was it again? I think it's Peterson. Okay, I'll have to have to look that up. But I enjoy listening to it. every coach has their own style of speaking. Some are more hyped up, you know, and excited, uh, you know, like high energy, like a Jared Jensen, and then some are a little bit more low key. This guy's the lowest key 
coach area <laughs> to the point where you talk to him and and it's almost like he doesn't want to mention uh anything stats wise because we don't focus on that we're just trying to get wins as a team unit and i love that about him uh but but at the same time there's there's times that the way he speaks you almost think man this guy doesn't think his team has a chance yeah <laughs> you know unless they play perfectly but one thing we talked about Oh my gosh, you hear it over and over and over again. Uh, when you get a rematch, uh, the coach that says, the coaches say that if you were on the losing side the first time around, you're the team that's got to make adjustments. And that gives you an advantage going into that second matchup, whereas the winning team doesn't have to do that. They already had the winning formula the first time around. What are they going to change? And so the team that makes adjustments uh, has a little bit of a, an advantage there. And I think we saw that play out. So no shocker here that uh, Central Decatur wins that uh, first-round playoff game at Earlham. Yeah. Well, congratulations to the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals were going to win this game because they were both Cardinals. Uh, That's what as, as was the um, Mark, uh, uh, the, the Columbus game. Both teams were Wildcats there. Well, here's yeah. a game I don't, I don't even know the score of, uh, uh, but I have my deep, deep suspicions, and so does our listeners. Uh it's the Wapsie Valley host of Danville. Uh, the Danville Bears had a great season. Uh, 73.1% picked Wapsie Valley. Uh, that means twenty, almost 27% picked Danville. Uh, Danville got a lot of support in our area and in our polls. Uh, uh, but uh, I don't know the score. I'm sure Wapsie Valley won this game. Wapsie Valley won. I believe it was 31. It was 43-6 to six was the final. I guess it was 31 nothing at the last uh, check I'd made. So 43-6. to six. Wapsie Valley is a perennial playoff team, well-established program there in Class A. Um, got a lot of good players coming through that program every year. Danville's my expansion team. What can you say? They made the playoffs their first year. Um, made Wapsie. This is not the worst uh, score that Danville's uh, taken this year on the losing side, you know, when they played a powerful team. So, and this is a team I have high hopes for uh, next season with the amount of talented juniors they have coming back. Well, they had an outstanding season, and uh, but Andy Kressinger told me that as far as they could tell, a four seed has never beat a one seed. Not since they went to this format, ever. I I would tend to agree with that. That's uh, you're talking tall order. When you're that fourth team getting in, you've already had your struggles in your own district. Now you got to go play another district's top team, and that that's just that's a hard hurdle to to overcome. Well, uh, the Wilton Beavers, who finished in a, a, a three-way tie for first place, but through points and coin flips and, and opponents' opponents and everything, they wound up being the third seed. Uh, but I think they got a better draw than West Branch, who was the second seed, who wound up playing Pleasantville. But our listeners were 89.3% uh, Beavers have Beaver fever, and it turned out that way. As Wilton really uh, do did what they did and grind out, they kind of just grind and grind and grind, and they just keep putting another score on the board, and they grind some more, and they put another score on the board, and they grind some more. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Ain't it? Well, what I like about this one, uh, and we said, you know, it, it kind of sucks for Wilton that they got to go on the road, two hour plus trip uh, to play. Woodward Granger there, but we did like the matchup. We thought this was a very winnable game for Wilton to uh, get through, and, and I don't know how it'll play out. Maybe they can get a home game uh, next round, or if they win the round after. I don't I don't remember how this goes, but 
you know, they won 49-21. What I like about that is, is all season long, we felt like um, their offense, their, their defense has, has been what shined and carried them. And their offense hasn't gotten untracked a lot the way we thought that it could. But last night, that wasn't the case. We got Drew Keith 14-22 for 140 yards. I got him here on bound for five touchdowns through the air. That's uh, that's the kind of night I like to see from Drew, especially in the playoffs. Uh, if the Beavers are hitting their passes like that, they, they can beat anybody. Owen Hassel doing his normal thing, 20 carries, 145 yards, couple touchdowns. Uh, Kate Serrata led him in uh, receiving with three. Two of them went for touchdowns. And Chaz Allison, that linebacker, on uh, the defensive side with 10 tackles. So that was a kind of a typical Beaver night, the kind that I thought we'd see more from them this year. If they if they have uh, found some formula there on offense that they can use going forward, get some more points on the board, they could beat anybody. All right. Uh, well, West Branch uh, does come out with the win. But uh, uh, it was not an easy one at all. Uh, Pleasantville gave them everything they wanted a little bit more, and uh, it, they stretched out a little bit at the end. Uh, but boy, the Pleasant um, three fourths, three quarters of this game, Pleasantville was right in there with them every minute of the game, and had leads a couple times. Yeah, um, I don't know. I had mixed feelings about this, and I thought, man, if that Trojans team that took uh, Sigourney Kyoto to the wire and, and lost in overtime in a, you know, just a strange fashion showed up that they'd give West branch, you know, a half or something. And well, they gave them a lot more than that. Like you said, there at the end by the fourth quarter, West branch tacked on two touchdowns. They won that fourth quarter, 14 zip. And that was the difference. Um, but it took a while and I've seen West branch in person. I didn't personally think that this game would be that close, that much of a grinder. But you kind of had to wonder, and it was. And uh, what I think it shows is just how tough Sigourney Kyoto's district is uh, now that we've had a chance to see him stack up against some others in this first round. And that, that just makes me think even more of Sigourney Kyoto at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, man. SK. They, they, I, I'm liking the comparison, though, between that Wilton, Regina, and the SK, and the uh, uh, this next team we're going to talk about, as well as Central Decatur, all coming from this side. There's some very good teams, I guess would be my point. And I, I, I think there's some balance here as, as far as the quality, but the Pella Christian Eagles, uh, uh, uh took on an Ogden team. Uh, our late listeners were 92% on Pella. It did turn out, I think it was like a 30 to nothing game. Although, uh, it took a, a while for Pella Christian to score. Uh, and then it took a while for him to score again, but eventually, these uh uh Wacos and 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 uh Pella Christians and stuff will wear you out uh with their physical size and their pounding that accumulates uh, uh on a team and Pella Christian rolls here. Well, I had said that I you know didn't know squat about Ogden other than I've seen them uh they play in a tough district and they've they've been able to get into the playoffs recently, including this year. And uh you know, they did play Pella Christian to a, a scoreless first quarter, and then it kind of got away from them after that. But uh, no surprise here for me that Pella Christian wins this game. So there's some good teams. Uh, I think the, the district that, that includes uh, Regina, Wilton, and West Branch, and the district that uh, uh, has SK and Pella Christian and Central Decatur uh, are going to be a force. And somewhere along the line, I think uh, uh, one of those teams is going to go all the way here or uh, way into the, the 
Dome. That's yeah, well, wouldn't shock me a bit if uh, we get representative at the Dome from each one of those two districts. All right. Well, uh, the Mid Prairie Golden Hawks uh, took on uh, Northeast Goose Lake in what I call deja vu all over again, uh, as this is the third year running. Uh, and it did happen exactly the way it happened all three times. Uh, uh, and, and concurrent with our our listeners' uh, poll here, they got a 91.3% uh, uh, mid-prairie win, and they just kind of rolled in this game. They sure did. Um, and and this didn't shock me a bit. I had said that uh, you know, we kind of followed those Rebels a little bit from up north the last – these three years because they have – faced off with mid prairie in the first round of the playoffs each time the first two games being more grinders uh, and and like i said i didn't know much about uh this team this year other than that quarterback we've been watching for for the rebels these last three years and the fact that his, his stats seem to take a dip this year uh i guarantee you the kid hasn't taken a step back from his own his own progress you know in, in the game of football but the team may have uh, as far as personnel overall, and that sure is what came into play last night. I have a feeling because uh, this game was not close. All right. Well, here's uh, another couple games out of that same two way uh, class, and uh, I think same district even. Uh, uh, West Burlington Notre Dame uh, had to travel to Comanche uh, in a game. Our listeners were uh, at sixty eight point four percent for Comanche, and it did come out that way. Uh, um, what do you do? You know anything about that game, or you got any thoughts on it? Not much. It was twelve seven at the end of the first quarter. Uh, we'd heard about Comanche being a team that's got some some big boys and some good potential, but uh, really haven't put it together enough to to be a player in their district as far as a, a title contender. But they are in the playoffs. Uh, West Burlington Notre Dame, of course, turned a corner this year by getting to the playoffs. Um, I'm sure they would like to have played beyond the first round, but this isn't a bad showing. And you look at the, I didn't see any highlights or anything, but you look at how the score went in the recap. Comanche just kind of fully grounded out. You know, they got a score, a couple scores in the first quarter, a score in the second quarter, a couple in the third, uh, both teams scored in the fourth. So the final score being 42 to 14, I don't think when I look at how it, how it went that, uh, quarter by quarter, that it was, you know, any kind of a steamrolling, by Comanche, it was just kind of a slow grinded out. West Burlington could get untracked offensively, it looks like. So, uh, great year for West Burlington, though. Uh, Notre Dame, that's a it's a step in the right direction. I, they've got a lot of juniors and underclassmen. I think they'll take a, another step next year, maybe get that first playoff win in a while. Well, um, the last game uh, I, we're going to talk about on the list here is Minneapolis at Anamosa, or Anamosa at Minneapolis. Uh, Meepo was uh, favored 88.5% uh, from our uh, voters. Uh, and that's how it came out. Uh, our voters uh, did pretty good job of picking. And so did the round guy radio uh, uh, teams did pretty good uh, in this first round. But did you hear anything or you have any thoughts on this game? Without, I don't even, they don't even have the, on the recap, they don't even have the uh, quarter by quarter, you know, scoring, but 28, uh, 21, Hey, okay, so we picked right, those of us that, that picked Minneapolis to win this game, but uh, I myself did not give the Blue Raiders enough credit because I didn't think this would be a close game, and, and it was a one-score game. So, you know, hats off to Anamosa there. I think Minneapolis turned the ball over a lot in the second half. 
I tried to listen to the game. Uh, uh, once I, I listened to Pekin's game the first half, and then it was like 21 to 6, and I said, well, I'll, I'll come back and check on that later if I need to. Uh, and then I wound up listening to uh, Meepo's stream, uh, uh, the dog, uh, the dog cast, and uh, uh, I, I just, I, the stream just kept cu- cutting out on me, you know, and I had to go reset it or restart it, and uh, so I never, I never could get a score. I didn't really know what happened until Jeff told me the the, the score at the end, but that was uh, uh, a little clo- too close for comfort. But uh, Meepo moves on in this. Hey, it's like Al Davis always said, just win, baby. I mean, it's the playoffs. And uh, it doesn't really matter. Just get it done. Well, do you have any other thoughts or games? I mean, I know Albia got beat. Uh, uh, I know uh, Eddieville Blakesburg really got tore up by uh, um, – well, actually, it seemed like they did come back and score some points there uh, against uh, Regina. But I don't know anything else too much. Do you? No, um, that pretty much covers uh, our guys. And you know, I'm sad to see Columbus's season come to end or uh, to an end already. Um, that'll kind of impact. I, I plan on seeing a lot of Winfield Mount Union ball most likely uh, through these playoffs. But uh, depending on how things shake out with these pods, there's you know, I'd love to get to the Snake Pit for a game before. Uh, before uh, the games are all held up north at the Dome. And uh, I'd hope to get to another one at Columbus. That one is out now. Um, and I'd like to see Waco in person again. But we know there's a chance we might get to see them in a rematch with Winfield Map Union. So I just got to see how these pods play out a little bit later. Everybody's, you know, just chomping at the bit to see how that's going to uh, be set up. And I guess we have probably an hour or two to find that out. And uh, we'll see where we land Friday night. Well, it's just going to be a pod frenzy uh, when we find out what's going on. But I really appreciate you being with us, Scott, giving us so much time this morning and going over your thoughts. Uh, uh, maybe we can go over some KCII scoreboard that uh, I didn't have up here just to put out some more. If you guys are 3A or well, um, 4A or any of that, uh, well, what the hell? Everything's changing on me here. Uh, okay, so uh the the big game was the washington demons and the uh fort madison bloodhounds it's a 28 7 win which is a 14 point spread and i think um without a 17 point spread i think that really hurts fort madison's uh small chances of making the playoffs even though they finished with an outstanding season yeah six and three should be good enough to get you in the playoffs in any class in any state in this nation as far as i'm concerned and you hate to see them get left out. Um, and, and yeah, it may be that if they were to get in, they, they'd draw some juggernaut and get beat by 50 in the first round. But the fact is, the kids put in all this work. They won six games. They should get a chance to, to spend one more week of practice with their with their brothers and, and coaches and, and uh, get one more Friday night under the lights. But it may not shake out that way. Having said that, as far as the round guy radio area goes, um, we're talking big schools, 3A through 5A. Fort Madison's my top-ranked uh, team out of that bunch uh, by, by quite a bit. Uh, well, we we got a, such a disadvantage, Scott. This is the third year we, we talked about football. There are three levels, uh, 3A, 4A, and 5A. Uh, so we've had nine opportunities to put a team in the playoffs, and we've done it twice. 
That's two out of nine times that we've actually had a team, and I think it was four a both times. Uh, but and and the and the the playoff spots we got on up playing the number one team in the state. Yep, it's uh, it's rough down here. We don't have the advantage of drawing from big cities. You know, like a Cedar Rapids got several four a five a schools. You know, and so on. Des Moines area, all these metro areas, and, and a, just a pile of talent to draw from for each school. And down here, we don't have that. Uh, Burlington, maybe a little more so than the others, but but then I also, you know, I don't want to sell short the fact that there's talent, and I don't know that all the kids that have that kind of talent are going out because I've seen over the years when I moved to Iowa, Mount Pleasant get to the dome. We've seen Washington get to a state title game, and they're a small three eight. Uh, team so you know we got to get more kids out and uh, they'll be able to challenge these uh these bigger area schools uh like they did in the old days again we're in a period right now where that's not happening and uh if that doesn't change then it's just the way it's going to be well what we lack uh quite a quite a batch of schools we got in that that small field there yeah we did really well in the small schools well i don't have anything else scott you got anything else I'm good, bud. Uh, see how these pods shake out in an hour or two. All right. Well, we'll be on the edge of our seat. Hopefully, we can get some coaches on right away as soon as we find out what, this, what the matchups are. High School Football on Round Guy Radio was brought to you by Iowa Tire of Fairfield, Iowa. Mike's Auto Sales of Muscatine, Kyoto Transmission and Repair, Flint Cliffs Manufacturing of Burlington, Iowa, Wester Drug of Wilton and Muscatine, Jen Fagan, your neighbor's insurance agent. Home Plate Sports Cards of Oskaloosa, Henshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa, B&B Propane, Richardson's Tech Solutions, and Farmers Co-op of Envision Ag of Kyoto, and the Packwood Locker of Packwood, Iowa, soon-to-be Griner Meats and Groceries of Richland, Iowa.